Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Have y'all ever been scrolling through Netflix and realized that there's a whole movie franchise you were kind of unaware of? Like, you always knew it was kind of there, and you really liked the first one, maybe, but you were like, holy shit, there's like six or seven of these fucking movies? What is this thing? Well, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to review every single Ip Man movie there is. Let's get into it. Hello, come right in. Rattlesnake, host of the Chairgating Podcast, coming at you live once again from Austin, Texas, here to talk more movie talk. So I've been bored, obviously, been uh, working from home, all that good stuff like everybody else, and I scroll through Netflix like everybody else, looking for something good to watch. When I realized how many fucking movies this Ip Man franchise has, and I don't know if y'all are as aware of it as... I am now, or if you're more like I was a week ago, um, I thought it was like two movies that I saw, I think, in college, uh, maybe one in high school, and thought they were pretty good. Fun action, fun kung fu movies, you know, that's pretty much it. But no, there's like a whole franchise of these things. And upon doing more research, it appears that they made even more movies in this franchise, but I'm not going to get into any of that shit. All I know is what was available to me on Netflix. So that's what I'm going to review. I, I've spent an entire week watching and taking notes for all of these fucking movies just so I can review them for y'all. I'm watching Ip Man so you don't have to. So I'm going to start out with the first Ip Man, and I'm probably going to talk about this one the least because I imagine everybody's seen this one. This is, you know, the entryway into this franchise. This is the gateway drug that leads you down the path of destruction that is It Man 3. But we'll get to that. 
So just in the opening scene, we learn everything that we need to know about our main character here. You know, some martial arts master shows up at his doorstep and essentially won't leave until they fight to see who's the better martial artist. And really, that's some trailer trash shit right there if I've ever seen it. That's like Ricky at the trailer park, you know, down the way. I heard that Mike was running around saying that he could kick his ass in the park, but Ricky didn't take too kindly to Mike's tough attitude. You know, seeing how he borrowed Rick's tool set about a week ago and and returned it with all the tools just thrown in the back in there and no organization, you know, with no concern for the previous order that the tools were left in. So Ricky's at Mike's trailer, and he won't leave until this shit's settled. So Ip Man partially eats with his family and even invites this crazy redneck to join them for dinner, which was pretty nice in my opinion. They share a friendly post-dinner cigarette. Seems like a very nice, well-mannered situation. Then Ip Man just proceeds to beat the shit out of this guy and some little weird kid is peeping through their window and told everybody in the town about it, even though this fight was supposed to be like secret behind closed doors. So the other master obviously gets really mad that this kid is, you know, telling everybody this shit that was supposed to be secret, and his brother kicks him out of the restaurant. So that's that's about what, what we got so far. And this kid, by the way, this kid's fucking brother... Looks like his face is a legit mask. Like, his face is fake. He looks like the Chinese version of Stefan Carl in Lazy Town. If you know what I'm... If you keep up with meme culture, you know what I'm talking about. If not, I'm sorry. You should probably pause this and Google that. Because as, this is what this fucking guy looks like. It's wild. So then some out-of-towner comes in and starts beating the shit out of all the masters. But, you know, he's told, don't get too cocky because... The best master here is Master Ip, and you got to fight him to prove yourself. So he goes to Ip Man's house with, like, the whole fucking town and demands that they fight, and his wife gets pissed, as usual. Um, just get used to that. His wife gets pissed a lot in this movie franchise. Like, every movie is literally just his wife bitching about him spending too much time on martial arts, which is literally his career, by the way. And their source of income. It's not like this is just some hobby he does with his friends on the weekends. It's not like my wife bitching about me playing PlayStation. No, they have, like, a huge fucking house. And, like, cleaning people. So, you know, the only time, apparently, she was cool with him fighting, in this movie at least, was when this out-of-towner comes to the house, but then starts talking directly to her. Starts talking shit directly to her. So it's like, oh, now it's okay. So she's like, okay, just don't break anything as she walks out. And during the fight, the out-of-towner, when he's, like, breaking shit when they're fighting, he just says, like, I'll pay. And so he keeps saying that. I'll pay. Uh, and it, it was actually kind of funny. It actually kind of worked. And also, I'm not sure why every movie in this franchise has to have some rebellious-looking outsider defeat all the town masters before it man proceeds to beat the shit out of them. Like, how shitty are all these other masters to begin with, right? They only ever get their ass kicked in these movies, by the way. I, I don't I can't remember a single scene in this entire franchise where a master beats some out of town or some foreigner or something like that. So apparently Ip Man is the only person that's good. So I don't know what all these other masters have been doing their entire careers, but 
There, you know what? There needs to be like a, a transitive standard metric for fighting in movies and TV. I feel they do it with video games. I feel like, you know, because you could have like character A who easily beat character B and narrowly beat character C. You know, we, we could see numerically how he would match up against character D who may have narrowly beat character C, but easily beat character E, who narrowly beat character B. Are you keeping up? Are you keeping up with me so far? And you know what? This would help so much for anticipation and expectations for the audience going into a solid matchup. You'd be like, oh, shit, these guys are matched up pretty evenly. You know, we, we sh- this is going to be a big one versus like, oh, he's going to blow him out of the water based on his previous matchups. Just think about how insane the graphic using this model would look for a Dragon Ball universe. Like, that would be fucking tight. So the locals want to band together, you know, to protect themselves. And Ip Man agrees to train them. And it's a training session that's essentially straight out of Mulan. Like, the original animated version, though. Not the not the new live-action shit that's on Disney+. Plus. No, the original Mulan. Like, when I watched this scene in the movie... I legit had that song, you know, I'll make a man out of you song, just playing in my head. Because that's the fucking scene. It's the scene from Mulan in It Man. And it made me go look up that song again. And I was like, yo, fucking banger. Let's get down to business. To defeat the Huns. So anyway, the Japanese invade and pretty much fuck everything up as Japanese do, of course. They kick Ip Man and his family out of their home, ruin the economy, so pretty much everybody's homeless or unemployed, somewhere in between. And I'm not trying to pretend to know what every Asian nationality should look like or is supposed to look like. But I was pretty suspicious about this Japanese general because he looks more like a Central American MLB player. So I looked up the actor And lo and behold, although he is half Japanese, his mother is Salvadorian. And I don't want to sound racist or anything, but I don't know how welcoming the Japanese was towards mixed-race people back then. Especially considering how they were just treating their fellow Asians. Just seems unlikely that this half-Salvadorian dude becomes such a predominant general in the Japanese military during an invasion into China. But the second in command for the Japanese military, that dude was a perfect right-hand villain. He's slimy, spineless, cruel, sadistic. Hell, he even looks Japanese. And, you know, Star Wars should take notes on this. That's how you do it. Not with a whiny little ginger that was told by his mom he should be the supreme leader and that he's special. Yes, I'm looking at you, General Hux, you useless piece of shit. I mean, there's a scene where that second-in-command dude is pointing his gun at Ip Man's kid, like, fake shooting, like, pow, pow, pow. And when you see it, you actually feel shocked. You're like, oh, shit, that's fucked up. So he was a great villain. He's not supposed to be the, you know, intimidating enforcer like the main villain is. He's supposed to be the slimy, weaselly guy that could easily get his ass kicked by Ip Man, easily. But... That's not why he's scary. He's not scary for the threat of getting beat up. He's scary for what he might do. That's how you do a villain. And the fight scenes in this movie are fun. 
they're not the best martial arts scenes ever, but they are fun and campy enough in a way to make them always enjoyable. Now, if you do want to see an incredible martial arts scene in a movie, go check out The Protector from 2005. There's like a four-minute long take. Absolutely no cuts. All choreographed martial arts fighting. Straight shot. No chaser. The only real issue I had with the fight scenes was how easily Ip Man just beat the shit out of the general at the end. Like, he's supposed to be the movie main villain, right? He was pretty hyped up, but he ended up not even being that good. Like, I was stoked to see a master of karate versus a master of kung fu face off because this final boss fight was probably the most one-sided of the entire franchise. It, like, wasn't even that good, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And after he kicks his ass, the second-in-command Japanese villain dude shoots Ip Man, and the scene is straight out of the Warriors. I mean, it's exactly like when Cyrus just sh- got shot at the beginning of the Warriors. If, if you've seen the Warriors, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, slow motion and all. And, like, the crowd's just in awe. They're like, no! It's just like the Warriors. I mean, maybe I'll mash those two up so you can see them. But after the movie ends... They show real photos of Ip Man and talk about his, you know, real legacy and his impact. And they also make a significant mention about Ip Man training Bruce Lee. Like, that's even at the be- like on the cover of the movie. So it's like a pretty predominant thing about this movie, or about this character at least. You know, he's a real person. And although we didn't get anything to do with Bruce Lee in this movie, like, I get it, this is way before Bruce Lee was even born. We're just learning about this guy's backstory And, you know, it's a good marketing ploy to be like, by the way, this was Bruce Lee's Kung Fu master, which is true. So that's cool. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's a reason that this is considered such a great Kung Fu movie. The fight scenes are fun and packed with emotional weight to them. The villains are great for the most part. The set design and the aesthetics are pretty good, you know, for the time period and, um, you know, the the directing is good, but really the acting all around is really good. Donnie Yen as Ip Man was incredible. He's obviously a legit martial artist. He knows what he's doing, and he plays the character well of just a level-headed guy that isn't using martial arts to, like, hurt people and, you know, the the classic hero tropes. He does it well, and he plays the character well, and it's enjoyable. Uh, overall... It's a fun and enjoyable kung fu movie, and anybody that's looking for a fun and enjoyable kung fu movie would definitely enjoy this movie. So with the success of one movie, inevitably leads to the creation of a second movie. And fingers crossed, an entire franchise. We'll get into that. So here we go, Ip Man 2, Legend of the Grandmaster. And this movie picks up right where the first one left off. If Ip Man and his family are forced to escape to Hong Kong to flee the Japanese after he got shot at the end. And it starts out like a TV show with like a recap from the last movie, like previously on. They show his brother getting shot in the head by the Japanese before the movie even starts. And then they show him as a homeless guy who steals food and can't remember anyone. It's like a fucking wild way to just start a movie. I'm like, whoa, slow down. Um... They never, I don't think they ever explain how his brother ended up in, in Hong Kong like Ip Man did. I thought his brother stayed behind because he had that factory that he ran. Anyway, doesn't really matter. So 
Ip Man is poor because he's new to the city and no one knows him yet, and holy shit, the dubbing in this movie is fucking wild. <laughs> like, Ip Man sounds like a 19-year-old white kid from Ohio. It's insane. And he's trying to start a new martial arts studio, but he's struggling to pay rent because he's too lenient with the students. Um, you know, his, his students are young and struggling, and he's just not collecting from them. So one of his students, really his, his first and main pupil, uh, gets kidnapped by other kung fu students which is fucking weird and they hold him hostage you know for whatever reason but it man has to pay a ransom to get him back which he does which is weird because he also can't afford to pay rent to keep his fucking family safe in their home they have to like hide out from the landlord so i'm like all right dude priorities like you got a family to take care of anyway there's a pretty good fight scene there with Ip Man. Uh, he, uses, he uses, like, these swords to slap the bad guys in the face. It's kind of funny. It's an enjoyable enough scene, but none of this really matters because it's just a convoluted way to get Ip Man to meet another martial arts master, or I guess we could call him villain number one. He's going to be, you know, the local villain, the villain number one that it, that is supposed to be better than Ip Man at martial arts, but they'll have to band together later. You know, that shit. So, it man gets saved by that northerner, uh, that, that foreign dude from the last movie that came down and beat up all the masters, you know, before it man beat him. They all end up getting arrested anyway at the end of it. So, his wife has to bail him out of jail with the rent money. And, of course, she's back to hating martial arts, obviously. Even though at the end of the last movie, she was in tears talking about how she needs to start appreciating and letting Ip Man do what he loves. But, you know, fuck all that because this is a whole nother movie and now we're in Hong Kong, baby. So, apparently in Hong Kong, to be a master in martial arts, you have to pass a test. Which, you know, seems fair. It seems like there should definitely be some qualifications before you just start teaching people or calling yourself an expert at something. Like, I can't just move to a new town and open an architecture firm and claim to be an architect without validating that claim. Like, I think they would want to make sure I'm actually a fucking architect before I started designing skyscrapers. So this seems like a fair process. The test to become a master is to accept any challenge from another master and stay standing on this table that's in the middle of a room surrounded by upside-down stools, essentially, uh, and you have to last until the incense is done burning, which, by the way, takes a long fucking time. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I was in college, so naturally, I used to burn incense because I was in college, and that shit lasts, like, an hour at least. So, this master law dude challenges him first, and by the way, I'm not just saying, like, law, like that's his name, master law, which by the way, should definitely be the concept of the next law show that we get. Because we have, like, Cajun Justice and Lone Star Justice and by now probably fucking Iowa Justice. I don't know. But we need a master law kung fu justice. That's a cool fucking concept. It Man franchise, I recommend getting in on that. So anyway, he's a real cocky asshole type, you know, but... He's got this blinking thing, and I don't think it's actually part of the character. Like, I genuinely think the actor has, like, a blinking thing. But 
if it's not the actor and it's just like something that he did for the character, that'd be weird. But I guess it'd be really impressive. Uh, what was it? Jake Gyllenhaal that did that. I believe it was Jake Gyllenhaal that did that and um, prisoners with Hugh Jackman. I think that was the movie. And while they're fighting, it does this dramatic zoom in on master law's face while he's doing that blinky thing. And then they start fighting again, and I was just fucking dying laughing. I was like, I, are they fucking with me at this point? This is crazy. So after It Man beats up Master Law and another master, everyone's starting to get a little scared to challenge him all of a sudden, which means it's time for villain number one to step up and challenge It Man. The fight ends up in a draw, and other masters are like, fuck, all right, I guess you're in. But It Man finds out that he has to pay a fee, so he's like, you know what, fuck all this shit, I'm out. So the other schools try to stop him from you know stop i guess other people from going to Ibman's school since he refuses to pay to join their little coalition and uh it turns into this whole scene from like the wire because there's an all-out gang brawl in the streets between these martial arts students like i don't i didn't know that like chinese kung fu schools were actually just training street level criminals but that's apparently what it looks like in this movie and and I was talking earlier about the hilarious dubbing of this movie, but in this scene, there's a dude with this Cockney accent on one of the Chinese guys that's fighting, and it's fucking hilarious. Like, I can't do a Cockney accent. Like, oh, hello, hello, puppet. You know, that type of shit. But, like, that on this, like, little Chinese guy doing kung fu. It was fucking great. Um, so we get introduced to a few more villains at this point, uh, naturally right? Because we can't just have villain number one. We're going to have to end up sympathizing with villain number two. So we need to be introduced to some new villains. So there's villain number two, which is a British cop in charge of the Hong Kong law enforcement, who is just a blatant racist, naturally. Um, and the Chinese cop, who villain number two just calls Fatso, by the way, has to take orders from this guy because he runs the police department in Hong Kong, because, you know, imperialism and all that. And then we have villain number three, or boss villain, or alpha villain, whatever you want to call him. He's this championship British boxer. And by this time, villain number one is already becoming a little bit more sympathetic. He's not as villainous anymore, because you're starting to realize there's worse people out there. So, we're going to this boxing match, and the British boxer beats the shit out of a few guys and makes fun of martial arts and pretty much just the entire nation of China. <laughs> I mean, real 80s villain vibes from this guy. And I have to mention, this guy's like one of the best heels of all time. His name is Twister. And he's essentially a combination of, of the taunting and, and muscles of Mr. T from Rocky, but with the attitude and look of Johnny Lawrence from Karate Kid. And I fucking love this guy. My favorite villain of any of the movies. So, to protect their honor, villain number one, or Master Hung, his real name, uh, has now challenged villain number three to a fight. So, essentially, what we have here is your classic Apollo Creed versus Ivan Drago matchup from Rocky number four. It's like the exact same setup as that movie. I can't emphasize that enough. And in the worst refing of all time, the fight is allowed to continue even though master hung's like lifeless body is stuck in the ropes um twister's just allowed to continue to beat the shit out of this guy so just as i predicted in perfect creed versus drago fashion 
Twister kills Master Hung in the fight. Like I said, this is literally Rocky Four, And I get that they're straight up trying to just copy that storyline from Rocky Four, which is a great storyline to follow for, you know, a fighting movie. It, it makes you hate the villain so much more, and, you know, it adds this emotional impact to the final match that they're going to have at the end. But the issue here is we had three movies to become attached to Apollo Creed before he gets murked, right? About ten minutes before Master Hung dies... He's being a complete dick to our protagonist. Like, yeah, I guess it's sad he died. I mean, villain number three is obviously more villainous, but, I mean, Master Hung seemed like a complete asshole, too. He kind of seemed like a fucking dickhead. So I don't feel as bad. Like, he's definitely no Apollo Creed. Let's just put it that way. But, you know, more importantly, like, what the fuck happened to Ip Man's brother in this movie? They just dropped the news on us in the opening credits about his brother being shot in the fucking head. But, you know, don't worry about that because they're going to hinge an entire emotional impact for defeating a villain of this movie on just some asshole we just met that we didn't like 10 minutes ago. I mean, literally, what the fuck happened to his brother, right? Like, last we saw, he was homeless and insane, and it man was going to take care of him. We don't know how... He got to Hong Kong, but he's here. He's been shot in the head. He clearly needs a lot of help. He's home. He's homeless. He's insane. He can't remember anybody. It Man's going to take care of him. And then we never see him again. Until suddenly, with only 20 minutes left in the movie, we finally get another scene of his brother. His, his brother is just, like, ruthlessly eating this chicken. Looks like probably raw chicken. And the scene is just slapped in the middle of a training montage. And it doesn't fit at all. It's fucking weird, and it, it's it's almost like the director just said, like, oh, shit, that's right, we forgot about his brother's character, and technically he has to be in, like, more than one scene because that's in his contract, so let's just throw him in this scene. It's just weird. So we finally get to the final showdown of, you know, our Rocky versus Drago moment, and it doesn't take too long for Twister to knock the fuck out of it, man. And I don't know about the other movies, um... You know, I don't think this happens that much, but, you know, this dude is probably the best opponent It Man faces. And once again, absolutely terrible refing. As It Man was like clearly on the canvas, unconscious, the the fight should be immediately called as a KO, but It Man is allowed to get back up and, you know, regain consciousness. Then Twister gets straight up knocked the fuck out as well, but is allowed to get back up. Like, the bald ref in this must have been the ref they based it on for Celebrity Deathmatch. Because, I mean, they actually look the same, too, and everything. It's kind of wild. Worst officiating of all time. Then, halfway through the match, the judges just randomly decide, Alright, kicking is illegal, and if it man kicks again, he'll be disqualified. Which seems like something that they would probably agree on before the match. Especially since this was hyped up to be a fight as Chinese Kung Fu versus Western boxing. And kicking is like a major part of Kung Fu. So, you know, seems very odd that this decision would be made halfway through the fight. But, you know, imperialism and racism and bad guys and all that. So anyway, it man just proceeds to beat the shit out of Twister anyway, almost as if his kicks were the main thing holding him back to begin with. And it man holds British Drago's head down while he just continues to beat the shit out of his nose over and over again. 
and then stops and realizes that, you know, like, no, he's better than the foreign devil and, and drops his head to the mat. So does the ref immediately call the fight a KO now? You know, now that one guy is clearly has a broken nose and is lying unconscious and likely could have been killed by it man if it man didn't have self-restraint no of course not he doesn't call the fucking fight he runs up and starts counting over the completely unconscious and bloody body like he's waiting for him to possibly get back up it would be like the ref counting over nate robinson's unconscious body when jake paul just knocked him the fuck out so thankfully the foreign devil is finally defeated and all is right in the world the crooked cop gets arrested by his supervisor because the Chinese cop snitched on him for doing illegal shit. And the supervisor, who I assume was a good guy because he arrested Villain 2, also calls the Chinese cop fatso. So, I don't know. I'm starting to just assume that that's like his actual name and not just a description. So, after spending the entire movie calling all the British people foreign devils, it man ha- has this final speech where he talks about how they all just need to get along and says that he just wants to go home now. So he runs home back to his wife, who originally hated the fact that he fights, but who's also now happy he defeated the foreigner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bedsheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bedsheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. And got revenge for his opponent's death and defended the honor of their country i mean i don't know i i think she likes it now i'm kind of confused but i mean it's literally just the chinese version of rocky four i'll just put it that way that's the best way to describe this movie and then almost like a marvel post-credit scene it man's nephew arrives at his doorstep with by the way his nephew that was supposed to be fucking taking care of his dad also this kid never came back in the movie so anyway um, he arrives at his doorstep with a message that he has a friend who wants to learn Kung Fu. And I'm going to be honest with you, because of the credits after the first movie, this whole movie, I assume, I just assume that his first pupil, the one that got like kidnapped and he had a rescue, I assumed that guy was Bruce Lee. 
I honestly thought he kind of looked like him and he was young and talented and and the movie paid like special attention to their relationship. So it seemed like I I, I guess I shouldn't have assumed, but I just assumed that was Bruce Lee. Fuck me though, because it wasn't. The biggest bomb of the movie is dropped during the end credits. His nephew shows up with this little kid. I mean, little fucking kid, like elementary school age. And he's like, this kid wants to learn martial arts. And guess what the kid's name is? That's right. Bruce Lee. He even does the little like nose wipe thing where he's like, you know, as the kid. So then just like the first movie, you know, it, it, it ends there and then it goes into this text montage with actual photos taken you know talking about how bruce lee was one of it man's pupils in 1959 and how important he was and blah 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 okay so we have two it man movies so far both ending with a discussion about how it man was bruce lee's master and we have zero movies telling the story about it man training bruce lee so far so I don't know what the fuck they're waiting on. I thought this whole like franchise was hyped up and built on the fact that this was Bruce Lee's master. I guess not, but I assume at this point, right? I'm like, okay, the third movie has to be about Bruce Lee. I've never seen a movie hype up something so much to never give it to us. So this next movie has to be about Bruce Lee, right? It, it can't not be. So here we are. On to It Man 3. And this one doesn't have a cool little cool little subtitle like the last one. The Legend of the Grandmaster. No. This one's just Ip Man 3. So, off to a good start. So, it opens and it's, guess what? 1959. And I'm like, alright, here we go. Bruce Lee's movie, baby. Fucking Bruce Lee walks in. Claiming he's ready to learn now. And... How, you know, he'll become the greatest ever. and But he's going by some other name, which is weird. And and I know it's Bruce Lee because he does the same nose white thing and the same mannerisms. So I look it up and Bruce Lee was not his birth name. Uh, so, you know, I get it. And although a casual viewer might not get it, they are trying to go for the historical accuracy thing. and And that's cool. But what I'm wondering is then why did they you know, have that little kid at the end of the second movie specifically say his name was Bruce Lee. Like, is it a rights thing? Did they get the rights to the name Bruce Lee in the second movie and not the third, which is kind of weird? And if it's a rights thing, is this whole podcast episode demonetized? Because I keep saying Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee. Probably. Don't think it's going to affect my monetization much, but probably. So, Discount Bruce Lee proves that he is fast, by kicking and punching a bunch of cigarettes that Ip Man throws at him. Like, literally, that's that's the, like, opening scene. Is Ip Man throwing cigarettes at Bruce Lee while he kicks them back in slow motion. I mean, it's like the director of this movie was also paid to film some cheesy, you know, smoking isn't cool ad from 2002 with the slogan, kick it. And just decided, you know, fuck it. You know, I'm making this movie. I'll just make the movie and the ad at the same time. Two birds, one stone. Pretty smart. So good on this director. But It Man just, like, kicks him out after that. So I guess I guess we're not getting the Bruce Lee movie. I don't know. I'm confused. But I know this has to be the Bruce Lee movie. It has to be. 
1959. Bruce Lee, with a weird alternate name, is at the beginning kicking cigarettes, right? Because cigarettes are bad for you. This has to be the Bruce Lee movie. So we finally get some real action after that. It Man's uh, grade school son, he's like elementary school, his son is fighting some other kid. Fuck yeah. Badass, right? And this other kid's dad is also late to picking up his son because they're in trouble now. But, you know, he's late because he's busy as a single father trying to provide for his son with whatever jobs he can just get his hands on. You know, like a real piece of shit type guy. So he comes to pick up his son, and there's like some awkward tension. You can just tell that this guy feels awkward about his son eating dinner at Ip Man's house for whatever reason. And and then after they leave, his son's like talking about Ip Man, and, and this dude just straight up tells his son, he's like, well, I could beat up Ip Man. And you're like, oh, shit. So, you know, I'm guessing this guy is villain one, which means we'll likely begin to sympathize with them about halfway through the movie just so it'll be heartwarming when they fight against each other or against some common enemy towards the end. So anyway, we find out that he's actually a pretty big badass. I mean, he because he whoops ass at these underground like street fights to earn money. And he beats their ass. So you're like, all right, this dude's legit. Uh, you know, they're, they're hyping him up. I, I'm kind of liking this character. Um, by the way, I should mention, these underground Hong Kong street fights are organized by Mike Tyson. That's right. Mike Tyson. And even more absurd than seeing Mike Tyson in this fucking movie is hearing the insane music choice that they have during the scene where we get to see Mike Tyson. It's like a 70s Cowabunga stock beach song. It's like... It's just fucking weird and totally out of place. It makes absolutely no sense. I truly don't understand why they put that song there. It goes completely against the tone of the scene. It goes completely against the tone of the fucking movie or the franchise. I can honestly say... It's one of the weirdest music choices I've ever seen in a movie. So basically, villain number two, Mike Tyson, wants the school for some reason. Which seems like a weird ask. Like, gangsters usually want a butcher shop or a laundromat because, you know, maybe they're short on their protection payments to the gang. Or or they just want a new business to, like, launder their money. But no... Mike Tyson wants this Chinese school for God knows what reason, because as he puts it, quote, the rest means nothing without it, end quote. I wrote that down because it was so fucking absurd. That was their explanation for this, for, for this gangster, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is running a gang in Hong Kong and wants a school. I'm, that's it. I can't make this shit up. Like... What is the rest? You know, what does the school have to do with the rest? I don't know. And neither do you, because they never explain it or expand on it any more than that. So, we then get a tour of this martial arts restaurant and how each school is represented by each master because they get their own table. And this is actually kind of a cool concept. And I like how they're able to explain how this place works 
without giving, you know, without like beating us over the head or putting some fucking on text on the screen explaining it. You know, instead, they explain it by giving someone, one of the masters is giving a tour to a reporter who's doing a story in the news on the local martial arts scene. And it, it really works. Like, I like this idea. And, and you get to see all the old masters from the last movie. So it, it's actually nice. I'm like, all right, I'm on board with this so far. So if you ever get annoyed during the last two movies from It Man's wife constantly bitching about martial arts, well, you're really going to hate this fucking movie because she cranks it up to 11. I mean, about the second third of this movie is literally just like, you know what, I'm going to get to that. Don't worry. So anyway, we find out that villain number one, or Tinchi is his name, uh, studied at the same place as Ip Man, but with a different master. So they both studied Wing Chun, um, but under different people, I guess. And he kind of questions Ip Man's style of Wing Chun. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm probably not. Wing, Wing Chun, Wing Chun. I don't know. Um, anyway, kind of questions his like style, talking about how um, Tin Chi's master focused on fist and pole instead of for- sword and foot or some shit like that. You know, he's just kind of like, you're doing it wrong. And so things begin to get a little awkward between them and um, Tin Chi like, ominously is like, ooh, we should spar sometime. And you're like, oh shit, this is getting cocky. You know, he wants he wants a chance at the king. Um, so these Mike Tyson thugs go to the school and toss the place around a little bit saying how the principal has to sell them the school, you know, an authority I actually had no idea principals had, but I guess Hong Kong is a little different with their education system. So that's cool. Uh, the most amazing part though, is when this gangster is banging the principal's head on the desk. (laughs) Like all they do is just repeat the same clip really quickly three times in a row just you know to make it seem like he's slamming his head multiple times on the desk and it's really weird and looks obvious like you can tell it's the same fucking clip and just seems completely unnecessary for a martial arts movie by the way like why did you have to fake that why couldn't you just have him hitting this guy's head on the desk three times it's a martial arts film that's kind of like the one thing you're supposed to do so naturally, Ip Man comes in and saves the day. You know, he instructs his his students to start protecting the school. Um, his martial arts students, obviously, not the fucking elementary school students. Although that would be funny, too. You get, like, a baby genius or something. That would be great. See, I'm coming up with all these great ideas. Like how you have the baby genius movies. Uh, this one could be, like, Kung Fu Babies. And they are protecting a preschool because they, they're masters of Kung Fu. That's not a bad idea. Another one for you, It Man franchise. So anyway, It Man meets up with one of those like old, weirdly cocky masters who I guess previously trained this like henchman that's trying to steal the school and shit. Not Mike Tyson, but Mike Tyson's little henchman. So they go down to the docks to scold this guy for being naughty gangster and, and to not do it again. But apparently... Employment around that area is pretty good because I guess everyone that works in the dock is also like muscle for this gang. So they, I mean, they must get paid pretty solid. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so it man and this old guy get surrounded by like 40 dudes 
but Detective Fatso runs in with a gun and breaks it up. That's right. Old Detective Fatso's back in this movie. So that's cool. Who doesn't love Detective Fatso? Um, but the gangsters aren't too happy about this, obviously. And, you know, they're not happy about Ip Man and his, and his students protecting the school. So the henchman goes to uh, Tinchi, or villain number one, and it's like, hey, you're the best fighter in our little underground Chinese fight club thing, so I'll pay you all the money I was going to pay this whole gang if you can just, like, make it happen with the school thing. So even though Tin Chi's son goes to this school, he's just like, yeah, fuck it, tight. So he goes and beats up the old cocky master pretty easily. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I should mention it was like in an umbrella shop too. So it was actually, you know, kind of cool and made for a fairly decent fight scene when they used the space and like the props around them. It wasn't long, but it was just kind of cool. And meanwhile, it man's wife is obviously pissed about something because, you know, he's spending all his time protecting their son and the town from these gangsters while also saving the school that their son attends when really he should just be eating dinner with his wife. You know, just normal wife stuff. So Ip Man gets a call just in time to avoid any more nagging from his awful, awful wife. And it's from the hospital saying, you know, Master Old Fuck is here and wants to see you. But when Ip Man gets there, he finds out that, oh shit, Old Master Senile never actually requested him. And that all this was just a ruse to give the gangsters enough time to kidnap all the kids from the school. And I'm like, oh shit, that's a pretty drastic leap, by the way, for this little gang to just dive ahead first into child abduction. But, you know, whatever gets the job done, I guess. Um, so they took It Man's son and Tin Chi's son. So I'm like, damn, y'all fucked up. So those two have a pretty badass showdown. They, they work together and fight like fucking anywhere from 50 to 100 shipyard workers, and it was pretty dope, you know, they have, like, sticks and shit to push back the big crowds, and, and they're jumping back and forth between stuff, I mean, that's what It Man franchise does well, it does, like, these action scenes pretty fun, they're, they're fun to watch, if nothing else, and naturally, when It Man rescues his son and brings his son back home to safety, uh, his wife reacts by slapping him, you know, because she's the worst fucking wife ever. So Ip Man finds out that his wife has cancer, actually, and that she's definitely gonna die. Um, and he's sad about it. While while the you know the audience, it's confusing because 
you're watching this and you're like happy and you're like, great, finally, I don't have to watch this stupid fucking character anymore. But for whatever reason, Ip Man's sad. So, you know, I, I lost the emotional connection with him there a little bit. But anyway, while they're leaving the hospital, they get attacked by a Mike Tyson hitman from Thailand that practices Muay Thai. And this scene starts out in an elevator and is essentially just a straight ripoff of the elevator scene from Drive. And I'm not complaining. It was pretty tight. Like, that being said, it turns out to be a pretty dope fight scene. I love the elevator scene in Drive. This one's not as good, obviously. I'm not trying to say it's as good. I'm just saying it's, like, exactly like it. So, like, it's pretty tight. Every good martial arts movie really needs to have people that practice very different styles of fighting fight each other. And and, and the It Man franchise does this well, right? They'll take boxers. They'll take other evil white people, and then they take evil Japanese people. You know, just normal kung fu movie stuff. Um, so after Ip Man beats the shit out of this dude, he goes to Mike Tyson and is like, yo, what's it going to take for you to lay off? And Mike's like, you know what? You just have to fight me for three minutes, and if you can last, then we're good. We're even we'll call it quits um which is a fucking wild proposition by the way like this would be the worst gangster of all time like running an illegal business is still running a business you can't just like ignore how your business is set up uh to operate based on if this guy can get knocked out or not like that's wild but to be fair, this is probably how Mike Tyson would be in real life as a real-life gangster. So, I mean, solid script writing for realism there, I guess. That's fair. So, somehow Mike Tyson doesn't kill this little Chinese guy with, like, connecting all these fucking massive haymakers. Um, and Ip Man manages to survive the three minutes of Mike Tyson. Probably because Mike Tyson used a solid minute of his time just to taunt him. Which, again, probably not the smartest decision. But either way... The deal's done. Mike Tyson is going to lay off and leave the school alone. Um, very anticlimactic fight scene. But you're like, okay, it's over, right? So, I mean, the movie's got to be over now, right? Nope. We still have a solid 30 minutes left of runtime in this fucking movie. And we still need to see Ip Man fight Tin Chi. So, Tinchi opens up a martial arts studio and starts just, like, murking all the other masters. Pretty much just like that northern foreigner in the first movie, who was also in the second movie. And, you know, technically just like Ip Man when he arrived in Hong Kong in the second movie, they have to, like, beat all the masters. And, and they always seem to pretty easily, as I mentioned before. And we also need that foreigner to come in and beat the shit out of the workless local masters, or else, you know, this just wouldn't be part of... Of the Ip Man franchise. So, Tenchi's school becomes the shit. And he claims to, that he's the true Wing Chun master. And that Ip Man disgraces that style of Kung Fu with his, like, bastardized version. You know, pretty harsh shit. But, basically, Ip Man is, like, the best husband ever. Best guy ever in general. Because he just ignores all this taunting. That questions, you know... His entire livelihood, essentially, just to take some fucking dance classes with his wife because she wanted to take dance classes at the beginning of the movie and he was too busy 
you know, running a fucking business and being the best at what he does. But God forbid, right? So by this point in the movie, I'm sure you, you listeners are thinking, you know, I thought you said that this was going to be the Bruce Lee movie. I thought you said you guaranteed that this movie would involve Bruce Lee and training. And you know what? You're right. There is Bruce Lee in training. The dance classes that Ip Man decides to take are taught by none other than Bruce Lee. Or, you know, whatever he calls himself in this movie. And he's like, why didn't you accept me as a student the day that I came to you? Right? When he was, like, kicking the cigarettes. And Ip Man just, like, essentially kicked him out. It was fucking weird. And Ip Man's like, no, you got it all wrong. I wanted to train you. But when I opened the door, you just left. So, I don't know if that's supposed to be some, like, weird kung fu wisdom. But... You know, I'm sorry. If Ip Man wanted him to stay, why didn't he just say, like, sure, I'd love to teach you. You seem talented or anything. Instead, he got up, walked over to the door, opened it, and just stood there staring at Bruce Lee without saying anything. What would you do in that situation? Obviously, you would walk out. You're like, okay, you just opened the door for me to leave. That's a pretty universal sign. So, Bruce Lee did not misinterpret this shit. It Man is definitely just telling him this shit now because he probably wants free dance lessons. It's just terrible. And around this time in the movie, It Man starts cracking some classic dad jokes that actually got a chuckle out of me. I actually wrote a few of them down. If you're ready for them, here we go. <clears throat> One man tells his friends, if your wife wears the pants at home... Go sit at that table over there. So everybody but Mo goes to the other table. And they all say, oh, wow, Mo, you must really be the man, huh? But Mo just says, no, my wife just told me to not sit in crowded tables. Fucking great dad joke. Uh, here's another one. Why did God make women pretty and dumb? They're pretty, so men will like them. And they're dumb, so they'll like men. Fucking great jokes. So solid dad jokes by It Man. In this movie, I appreciate that. At this point, It Man's wife is going to die soon. And, and she's finally like, okay, I want you to get back to your life and what, what you're great at, what you enjoy doing. Uh, you need to start teaching and fighting again. Even though she spent essentially the entire marriage, their entire marriage, and every movie in the franchise up until this point saying the complete opposite. So we finally get the showdown between It Man and Tenshi to prove who is the true champion of Wing Chun, and I'm actually interested in this fight. Even though I know what the outcome's gonna be, Tenshi's like a decent character and seems like a real badass. So, I'm intrigued. I want to see these guys fight. This is one of the best hype-ups in the franchise so far, in my opinion. Uh, they fight with sticks and swords and knives and all this kind of shit. They pretty much just go through the arsenal of kung fu weapons. At which point, I'm just like, okay, shit, so this is supposed to be a fight to the death? Because one wrong move in one of these characters is definitely dead. Like, I thought they were just proving to see who was better at this specific style of kung fu. Not fighting to fucking kill each other, but I guess if that's your competition, you know, to open up a school, like half your students are gonna go there, might as well just fucking X them out, right? Get rid of your competition. And other than maybe, like, Twister in the second movie, this is probably the closest Ip Man comes to taking an L. Uh, I, I want to say in the franchise, but I think there's technically one more where 
Ip Man gets pretty close to taking the L. But nevertheless, Ip Man wins, of course, and Tenshi destroys his sign, uh, claiming to be the Wing Chun master, even though this fight was completely behind closed doors and nobody would have known about his loss. That's just how great of a guy Tenshi is. So then we get this like montage of the worst character in the entire franchise, Ip Man's wife, and the credits roll. And again, they do the same fucking credit scene, talking about how Ip Man was a legend and how he taught Bruce Lee. And I'm just like, really? Are you sure he did? Because this is movie number three. And all I've actually seen of Bruce Lee so far wasn't Ip Man teaching Bruce Lee Kung Fu, like they keep saying, but Bruce Lee teaching Ip Man fucking dance to help his terrible marriage. I just don't get it. I'm fed up with it. I'm sick of hearing about Ip Man teaching Bruce Lee. I don't fucking... You want to know... You want to see the best, like, callback to Bruce Lee in a movie? Go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was fucking great, and it was hilarious. But, I'm not gonna lie. The Tenshi character was actually, like, a good addition. I liked his character, and and although he was a villain for Ip Man and, and a, you know, a criminal... He seemed to, you know, have a good heart and was a loving father, hardworking guy, and, and had reason for wanting to prove that he's better than Ip Man. Like, he truly believed that Ip Man's style of Wing Chun was wrong and an insult to their style. So, you kind of, you know, once you think about it, you can kind of understand where he's coming from. And to be honest, I could care less about Mike Tyson in this movie. And his convoluted plans to steal a fucking elementary school for, quote, reasons. Like, I don't, I don't know. But the most, imp- like, insulting thing of all this was finally including Bruce Lee in a movie just for us to watch him kick a few cigarettes and teach it man how to dance. Fuck this movie. This movie is the worst, probably the worst in the franchise. Um, the Mike Tyson thing was hyped up for no reason. His plan made no sense throughout the whole fucking movie. None of that was important. It was completely unnecessary. And it wasn't a good, it overall wasn't a very good movie. So I'm going to pause it there because this has already been a long episode and I'm only three down. I still got two more movies to go and I'm going to talk, I think, even more about those two movies. I'm going to talk about those in depth quite a bit more. That's going to be Ip Man 4, the finale, and Master Z, Ip Man Legacy. I got a lot to say about these two fucking movies, um, especially Ip Man 4, man. That movie was hyped up. People were talking about how it's easily one of the best in the franchise, yada, yada, yada. I was reading reviews on it. Wow. No. Disagree wholeheartedly. Uh, this whole franchise is pretty much complete shit which is why I'm going to make you listen to me talk about it. So, like I said, I'm going to take a pause here, and in episode number two, there's going to be a two-parter. You're going to get to listen to me talk shit and rant about how shitty the other two movies are. Thanks for listening. I'll see y'all again soon in part two. With all the force of a great typhoon With all the strength of a raging fire Mysterious as the dark side of the moon 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.